0: Welcome again to the Strange Brew Podcast. My name's Jason Barnard and that was Soft Cell Science Fiction Stories from the uh, Magic Mutants EP. The Magic Mutants EP is part of a fantastic uh, photo book and EP set related to Soft Cell. To show you, I've been there and I've got the uh, brilliant honour of uh, welcoming Dave Ball here today. So welcome, Dave.
1: Hello, nice to be here. I'm glad, I'm glad you like the book. I do. we spent a lot of we put, put a lot of time and, and effort in that, and it's been it's been interesting just finding old stuff, you know, because we went and met with Peter Ashworth, who did most of our stuff in the early 80s, and and he kept all these the originals sort of negatives and stuff, and we just went through, like bin bin bags full of stuff around. And he spent an afternoon. That's has thing just there's a lot of photos I've forgotten all about, you know, some quite embarrassing ones. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so it's a great way of um, documenting, uh, you know, that that soft sell period.
1: Well, I think that it ties in kind of well with the Keychains and Snowstorms album, you know, the box set we did. I mean, it's, yeah. it's kind of like 40, I mean, it's hard to believe 40 years I've been in in and out of the soft selling. Mm. But we are we are actually recording a new album and stuff. So it's it's nice to sort of see everything. You want to to realise what the amount of stuff you've done, you know. I mean like I've you know, I've forgotten about half of it, you know. But <laughs> <laughs> and, and they're great they're great productions as well. I mean, I think the box set and the book but they go together so well. I am mean, not that I'm trying to sell it to you. I mean if it it was up to me I'd give them away mm. free, you know, but but they are beautiful. they're beautiful things to have if you're a fan.
0: Yeah.
1: And you've got a spare, a spare few quid, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, because it's a limited edition, isn't
1: it? Well, the book, I think, is, I think it's 1400 And, and there's, I mean, they don't, they don't normally repress press that. I mean, but I'm not sure if that's just for the UK or whether that's worldwide. So I would imagine, you know, there are people in America and... Yeah. Various other parts of the world that would want to buy it. So I don't know whether there's a different edition that comes out there. I've I no idea because I'm, I'm not I'm not responsible for the business side of mm. of the book, you know. Mm. But I'm just a sub, I'm just one of the subjects of it. So I don't really know what 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 the deal is there. Whether it's just available in the UK or whether there's another company doing it in America or Japan or whatever, you know. Mm. I'm not sure about that one.
0: <laughs> and and the great thing about this uh, photo book as well is that you've. Uh, Recorded or re recorded uh, some new material. Um, we just played Science Fiction Stories, which is, uh, am I right, that's a, a new re recording of a very old Soft Cell track.
1: Yeah, because initially, before before we actually formed Soft Cell, I was just messing about with my synthesizer and I was doing the vocals, and that was the, the first song that I, I I wrote the lyrics as well, which is why they're so kind of, <laughs> kind of hmm. juvenile. But I mean, well, they, they're quite so sort of accurate, but they're still kind of. They're not fully formed, but I had written that song. but It was the first proper song I'd written on my synth. And then when we started doing Soft Cell, I said, "Well, to Mark, why don't you sing some of these songs I've written?" And then you start writing some of your own words. So that was, so that was kind of the the very first Soft Cell record, really. First first Soft Cell song. Was that sort of seventy eight, seventy nine time? That would be that would be from nineteen seventy eight. That would have been done. Yes. So yes. So it's. it's yeah, it's like 41 years, so it but 40, 41 years ago. So it's a long. it's not too old now.
0: <laughs> and science fiction stories, in terms of a lyrical theme, I assume that that's just kind of one, one of your influences and things that you were kind of into at the time.
1: Well, it'd be the next record, really. I think it was probably the record that influenced me to buy a synth more than anyone else, really. And that, The Kraftwerk, Autobahn.
0: You've picked um, a range of tracks. A kind of a fav- favourites of yours that we'll be talking about today, and obviously the the first one of those is Autobahn. Were you actually watching that tomorrow's that famous Tomorrow's World episode where, where that craftwork were, were on? I did
1: actually it? I do actually remember? It was Raymond Baxter was the presenter, I believe. Mm. And I was kind of like wow, what is, and I like, oh, What are those guys with knitting needles hitting biscuit tins? Mm. And it was like it was quite astonishing. Funny enough, I've recently worked with them. Um, Wolfgang Fleur who was oh, one yeah. of the original guys playing with the biscuit and with the Mickey needles <laughs> yeah he's, he's a lovely lovely guy he did a track on um, Annie Hogan's album and I think he's going to use the same track or a version of his on he's got one of his solo albums but yeah he I mean he's got some great stories about Kraftwerk I mean, he's, you know, they're not really the most talkative people are they no well Ralph and Flo, well Florian is not in it anymore is it Ralph you know mm-hmm. he's never been He's never been one for the big publicity all the talk talking stuff. Mm. It was just, yeah, I was just amazed by it. I was always interested in sort of futuristic things and stuff, and I've kind of got a bit bored with guitars and stuff. And when I saw that, the synthesizers, the sound of it was amazing. So, first sort of encountered a synthesizer when, when I used to go and visit my grandma when I was a kid, and there was a boy next door, older than me, and he he was he, he had a big. I was going to say, he had a big organ, but I mean, an, an organ that you play and stuff. And he used to have this, and he had a little synthesizer on the top, and he said, did you want to have a go on it? And I was like, wow, what's this? I wanted one. So I'd kind of known that I liked synthesizers from from about the age of 14, and I finally got to own one. Yeah. or two, or was several more.
0: <laughs> Hearing Kraftwerk for the first time on Tomorrow's World, and, and obviously that became a, quite a big single, was that the realisation that you could make... You know, make really great music on on a on a synth. Well, yeah, because
1: before that, as I say, I'd always been into in guitars, and then I, I traded in. I had a Fender Fender Telecaster, but I traded it in for a second-hand synth, which is a, um, an old um, Korg D- Mini Korg Mini DV eight hundred, which I've still got, and um, you could sort of do a kind of close version of those of Kraftwerk mm-hmm. sounds because I mean a lot of that stuff was done on the mini mode the our policy, Although well, according to t- Tomorrow's World, you look, they've got a mini movie in our policy, which I've got both of those as well, so that now, so, but I mean, so yeah, they were still primitive, very primitive monophonic machine. But I mean, I obviously was like, they were a definite influence. I mean, not sort of the, the subject matter of their songs, but I like I just like the sound.
0: And then taking that another level, um, Donna Summer, I feel love. Were you kind of like a, a late teen by then? Well, that was
1: 1977 when that mm. came out, so I would have been, yeah, I would have been about what would I have been about 17, 18, if I mean. And that was, yeah, I mean, that was to me was like, well, because before that, before I heard the Donna Summer, because after I first heard craft I really got into Northern Soul, yeah. so I was really into kind of Northern Soul music and that sort. of Soul, soulful voices, but uh, upbeat music. And so when I heard I Feel Love, it had got the two things I was really into. It got the sort of machine music of Giorgio Moroder, kind of pulsating behind it, with this amazing soul voice on top of it, which was Donna Summer. And it was like, well, it was it was kind of hmm. to me that was it was almost like I suppose it was a preemptive thing for tainted love because tainted love was like. A control- you know, ele- hard electronic kind of cold electronic sounds with them, sort of males and diva. So it's kind of it kind of influenced Mark. I mean, Mark was massively into Donna Summer as well. It kind of influenced both of us. I mean, he had, he had this brilliant album which I still got as well called um, Once Upon a Time, mm. which has got it's got one track called Now I Need You, and it's um and it's it's a very electronic, very Euro sort of electronic thing but it's got, like, um, it's got gospel choirs on it and stuff. Right. It's fantastic. And it's almost a bit like when Abba do The Day Before You Came. Yeah. It's got a fantastic sort of kind of cold, almost kind of European filmy sort of feel to it. Mm. And it's, it's very evocative. You know, so kind of very into that sort of vibe. Mm.
0: So you've got kind of that almost robotic-like um, synth against more of a sort of soulful voice.
1: Well, yeah, it's that kind of thing of, of, of the sort of humans w- versus the machines or surrounded by this sort of grass and metal and concrete and the soft cell <laughs> if you like, of this sort of person being surrounded by these hard edges and reflective surfaces, which, you know, that was, I mean, that was, there was a tr- another track I did an early one called The Man Could Get Lost, which was, that was mm-hmm. kind of about, which was about being just this sort of lonely person in this big city surrounded by kind of skyscrapers and neon signs. I mean, it was very really craft-working, but that was kind of a, the world we, we live in, you know. Mm-hmm. They were just reflecting what was going on really, I suppose.
0: Now we have um, the original version of being boiled by the Human League, sort of the first incarnation of the Human League. Yep. Obviously, you were, you, I think you were, in that time, were you up in Leeds at, at Leeds Poly?
1: I was in Leeds and I, I remember going to see the Human League at the, the place called the F Club and it was when Phil Oakey had his, his asymmetrical hair hmm. and he wore a purple singlet and they had the guys with the synths with the with the prospect cabinets and because it was just post-punk so they not want people spitting on their synths or throwing bottles of beer on their synths and then there was adrian right who, who uh, i got to know adrian really well he was doing all the projections for him and stuff and they i thought the early human league were fantastic i think travelogue yeah travelogue was i mean the second album was, was probably one of my probably still is one of my favorite all-time electronic records ever you know i think it's absolutely brilliant you know, I'd out, not like, I as I love Martin Russians, and he was, he was a dear friend. And, and I love mm. Dale, so that was an, an mm. amazing, amazing pop record. But the early Human League is it it's like a different band. really. It's yeah. like when you're talking about Fleetwood Mac,
2: yeah. like
1: the people that like the Peter the Peter Green Fleetwood mm-hmm. Mac, and the and the sort of Lindsay Buckingham's sort of you know Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. And they—they're so they equally great, but in different ways. You know, but but yeah, that, that was well, the Human League. Though that was—I remember being excited about that coming out because. We were thinking about because like, we'd have the the punk thing, so the idea that you could do your own record was very weighed very strongly in our mind thing. But we've got to do our own single, we've got to make our own record. So I remember buying the Being Boiled single with this sort, of, sort of salmon pink and, and you know, it was on Fast Records, wasn't it? Yeah. A guy called Bob Luster. not they weren't really an influence, but they were just they were just kind of compatriots you know they were on the same journey really they were slightly ahead of us but you know so i kind of had massive respect for them and i still do you know
3: okay ready let's do it
0: Go back a, a few years, back to uh, Brian Eno or Eno. Here come the yeah. Warm Jets, uh, the title track from that wonderful EP. Um, and obviously, uh, Brian Eno it was, an
1: L- it was an LP. It was Yes,
0: yes. Obviously, Brian Eno was known for kind of before that album uh, for for being in uh, Roxy Music and 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 all the the synths that he added to tracks like Virginia Plane, etc. You've picked a, a, a "Here Come the Warm Jets" from his uh, first solo album. So, what was it about that that record in particular that kind of inspired you to choose it?
1: Well, what I liked was that you know because I mean I, I, I loved the early Roxy music, the first two Roxy albums. I mean, again, it was another thing yeah. where the, the the first two Roxy albums, the Eno Roxy, was different to the mm. the one that was more sort of just Brian Ferry, you know. Mm. And I loved the synthness of it and. So when he you know, did something, I thought this guy's really interesting, so I loved what he I was just fascinated by. What what is he doing? You know, how's he making those sounds? So but I just bought that album so I loved the cover. I thought the cover was fantastic. And I mean he was fantastic. And he had some brilliant people playing for him. Oh, I mean yeah. people like you know, like you never believe that Phil Collins playing drums and <laughs> Chris Spedding on guitar and Robert Flippy some, yeah. some really tasty musicians playing for him. And it's a brilliant album. I just, I just love the eccentricity of it. It's got what I like about Eno is when he does his sort of vocally, He's very kind of English. Mm. It's very, it's a very correct sounding, I think. And and it's just sort of got this eccentric Englishness about it, which I love. And, and I think it's you know, I mean, I love, I love a lot of Eno's work. He's he's an absolute genius. I mean, when everyone knows that. I mean, he's he's put his hand on so many things. You know whether it's producing U2 and Coldplay, that he put to sort of ambient music hospitals, you know. I mean, he's, he's quite an amazing guy. And I just love that track. It's just got such a nice childishness to it. There's something really kind of naive about it, which I mean, Eno is certainly not naive, but I like this sort as of naivety suggested by this track. <laughs>
0: We go back forward to uh, nineteen seventy-eight, and, and certainly a, a pivotal year, really, in in, in synth music here in here in England. And, and another band that I guess were sort of compatriots around this period for you, Dave. Uh, Frobbing Gristle I think they were over it, and, and the track United. I think they were over in were they in Hull at the time.
1: Well, I first heard of Frobbing Gristle when I was I was still in Blackpool, mm-hmm. I think, just before I went to Leeds. Yeah. And a friend of mine, a guy called Chris Long, he's now an illustrator, I've seen him for years. But he, he phoned me up one day and said, oh, Dave, have you heard this band, Throbbing Gristle? And immediately, my ears pricked for a band called Throbbing Gristle. I'm interested already. And But he was talking about the B-side, which is called Zykon B Zombie. He heard it in this club and he said, it's fucking terrifying. You've got to get this record. So I remember going to this little indie shop in Blackpool near the Near the bus stations, and, and funny enough, they actually had the records. I bought it, yes. and I so I always actually listened to to to, to um Cyclone B Zombie rather than United. But I thought United is actually a really good song. It's kind of more subtle. I mean, you, you can play you know you can play Cyclone B Zombie, which is probably bad taste anyway. The title's not really, <laughs> not great, you know, but 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 United is such a, a brilliantly strange song, you know. And I've I've always loved the stuff they've done ever since, and, je- and I became really good friends with Jen when he was still living in the UK. And we we worked together on quite a lot of a lot of things, you know. But so this, yeah, I mean, it's, I just think that they were just that unique thing because they're very British. They're not German, and I think you know I like the Germanness of Craftwork, but I like the Englishness of the Human League and sobbing gristle and Eno, you know. So that yeah, I would like this song it's kind of... Kind of slightly perverse, but but
0: subtle. <laughs> yeah, I mean, with the lyrics, uh, the lyrics actually read quite um, just just like any other pop track. But against the the, the sort of starkness of the sound, it's quite. Um... But it's got
1: a very sexual undertone. When you think what the name of the and the, the name of the band yeah. United, and, you know, and it's called United. What's he talking about? I wonder. <laughs> and there's a girl in the band. It's I don't know. It just it's that's what I mean. Mm. It's subtle. A lot of TG stuff, even though it was like screaming, yeah. it was actually surprisingly subtle. But some of their albums are fantastic. DOA is yeah. a brilliant yeah. album. 20 Jumps Front Great, I think, is one of the classics as well. I mean, they've done so much amazing stuff. The end. The last album, The Endless Knot, I thought was fantastic. Mm. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm always a lifelong fan. I went to see mm. Cozy, Cozy Fanny Tutti of the band, She'd, you hmm. showed one of the Coombe transmission films at the ICA recently, yeah. and I went, to, went along to see that was this guy. So it's kind of, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's quite disturbing. Most of the men in the audience are crossing their legs. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Voltaire, uh, Silent Command uh, I, th- I think this was a Rough Trade release in 1980
1: Yeah, well they did a lot of like, what they, I call their pop singles, like Nag 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 as well, but I thought that that one gets played so often, but I think there's just something about the groove of this Silent Command, it's kind of got a slightly sort of Scar feel for it which is the sort of, sort of northern industrial sort of band it's kind of amazing, and I know they, they were very interested in Scar, and I've known Richard and Mal for a long time, you know, and, stuff. and it's, I just think they were great. They were great. They were pioneers. Because they, they sort of started about 1975. They've been at it for quite a long yeah. time. So I recently I met i met, um, I met um, Chris Watson, who was one of the original members. Oh, yeah. He now does like kind of sound, so like field recordings and stuff. He's like a specialist in sort of really high tech field recordings. I think he works a lot for the BBC, BBC4 and stuff. And he did a performance. And because there's a thing they have at um, the University of Surrey called the, it's just called the Moog Symposium that we have every so often. Mm. And um, they had one, one of the sessions they had, Chris Watson did a performance, a live performance of one of these sound pieces. And then they had Chris Carter from TG doing live. Performed um, with one of these, these griselizer modular systems. I mean, in fact, Richard Norris and I, we did one recently uh, as The Grid, but like Grid Live Moog session, or Moog, should I say. But yeah, so there's a, there's a really kind of great kind of culture of um the, the that sort of more artistic end of the electronic music scene. And I think Cabaret Voltaire kind of came more from that, you know, as did TG. You know, I always used to say to Jen, you know, you should... Try try to infiltrate from within, you know. Hmm. Be a you know be a, be a pop star. <laughs> it never worked.
0: <laughs> That's what you guys did, guys. Today, is that you infiltrated from within in in soft Cell.
1: I know. I used to have this conversation with with Sleazy and with with Jen, and you know, but I mean, Jen is you know he could not. He's got the personality and the character, but he's always going to have that outsider thing about yeah. him, which I think is one of his strengths, really. Anita.
0: The normal warm leatherette and of course, that's uh, that's Daniel Miller, who was uh, very famous, uh, in terms of setting up uh, the Mute label, which has got you know, had many, many fine groups in over the years.
1: Well, Daniel Daniel Miller, when when, when we we Mark and I first signed with Sun Bizarre, and we'd, we'd done the, the one track, um, The Girl with a patent face, is on the Sun Bizarre album. And then Steve I said, Look, yeah, we need to do you, usually need to do a single. And we were like, we really, really want um, Daniel Miller to produce it. And like, you know, because he'd done like Frank Tovey. Frank Frank Tovey, Frank Gadget, was, was had been at lead for a technique in the year above Mark and two years above me. And so we knew Frank. I think Mark, Mark had given Frank a tape to give to, to give to Daniel.
2: Yeah.
1: At first he wasn't that bothered, but I think Steve must have just browbeat him and said, OK, get them down, we'll do a track and we, we did and it worked and it became memorabilia but i mean i i, I was a massive fan of daniel's mm. just from the, the few things i've heard because i obviously heard warmer at tvod and then heard you know the um mm. silicon teens which was all daniel and then the fad gadget um in back to nature yeah which funny you know mark and mark and i do a tribute version which we'll play yeah, in a little cool. while which was dedicated to Frank, because he died sadly very young. Mm. But Daniel, um, he had, I mean, he always had a pop sensibility, yeah. even though he, you know, he was very he was very into the same sort of things that I was, like T G and he was friends with, with Jen and all those people. But he still had a pop sensibility, which obviously where, you know, Depression Mode, you know, he worked with us, but, mm. but then Depression Mode were around at the same time. I think Daniel wanted Soft Cell and, and Depression Mode and Steve-O wanted, so, so in depression mode, and and we we end up with Steve, and mm. depression mode ended up with Daniel. I mean, obviously Daniel must be really pissed off he's <laughs> <laughs> a bad deal there. <laughs> no. So yeah, it's like he yeah, was massive fans of his, and, and he did a great job with memorabilia, um, and that record was like kind of considered like, to be a sort of one of the first of um, techno or house records, you know. So we're quite happy about that. <laughs> well, Daniel, I know Daniel's quite happy about that.
0: Yeah, and it's it's interesting that you know many of these early sort of UK synth tracks were recorded at home, and I think Warm Leverette was uh, one of those tracks. Where...
1: Well, that was recorded on a four-track in Decoy Avenue where in, in Golders Green, where Daniel used to live. It was, he was living with his mum, Gosh. and I had a little four-track and a couple of little synths and stuff, and, and that, that, that he was getting up to that in his bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But you know, no, I saw Daniel not that long ago. I, was at, um, I went to see um, Erasure, and I, I bumped into backstage, and bumped into Andy Bell, and then yeah. Daniel came over. He's a funny guy. He's got similar sort of glasses to me, shaves head, but he wear he just wears a Schomburg, and he just goes to me still noodling. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, you want to hear? It? This is Daniel Miller noodling.
0: Did you have a similar setup, uh, like a home setup with uh, some some? cheap Simpson uh, a far track
1: yeah oh yeah yeah I mean I had my my Korg DV800 and by this time I'd got a a bass and um, and Korg SD100 and a little drum machine and then I just um I don't know a little I think it's an Akai reel to reel sort of quarter inch machine but you know it's very basic stuff but you know just for I mean all all the sort of original soft sell stuff like bed sitter and sail away goodbye were actually written in our bed sit, hmm. and i lived in this sort of same housing project as mark did and so i just make cassettes of for him and pass them to him and he's sort of go through the lyric book and then and we'd sort of try and break some time work to record the vocal which was usually in the art college because we we'd got access to the little studio there so we could get some, a couple of hours in there to put the vocal on it hmm just for the original sort of rough demos. So, yeah, that's it. It was all very homemade to start with. Warm. Leatherette. Warm. Leatherette. Warm.
4: Leatherette. See the breaking glass in the underpass, see the breaking glass in the underpass, warm leather the crushing steel. Feel the steering wheel. Hear the crushing steel. Feel the steering wheel. Warm. Leatherette. Warm. Leatherette. Warm. Warm Leatherette, melt on your burning flesh, you can see your reflection in the luminescent dash, Warm Leatherette, Warm Leatherette, Warm tear of petrol is in your eye. The handbrake penetrates your thigh. Quick. Let's make love before you die. On war.
0: So now we have Jerry and the Holograms uh, with with, with uh, Jerry and the Holograms and that was um, was it C.P. Lee project and uh, quite quite um, there's quite a, a myth around that and a bit of obscurity in, in, in that certainly over the years it's just one of those
1: tracks I just love it it's just so bonkers Yeah, and my girlfriend Scarlett she, she says if you listen to it Dale? it's because she, she DJs she likes books and she DJs Scarlett West check her out it mm-hmm. fantastic but well, but she DJs. One night, she was DJing at the Soho Arts Club. And I, w- I went down, sitting in the booth, uh, having a chat and a drink while she's playing. And we'll talk about it. And I go, have you got that record, Joey and the Ologan? She said, yeah, I'll put it on. And she goes, it's the same baseline, you know, for, as it is for New Orders, Blue Monday. And I'm going, get out of it, you know. <laughs> she's going, He's on it on this, I said, right, really? And she mixed it in. And she mixed it into into New Order's Blue Monday, and it was like I couldn't believe it. It was like a mashup. I said that's perfect because it's like ding 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 ding. And the music's the same bass with Jeremy and the whole Then, then, you know, it works. So I well I learned something that evening. So yeah, it's just an old favourite really because it's just a mental record. I mean, I did read... I think that you can get some information about who Jerry and the Holograms mm. were. I think there's something on the internet, probably. Yeah. But, but I just love it because it's just a bonkers record. I remember buying it when it first came out because so it's just so ridiculous. So what what is it? Mm. <laughs> but it's one of those ones that's always stuck with me. Mm. Should have been a hit. Yeah. <laughs> in, my, in my world, it would be a hit.
0: Because <laughs> I think the guys behind Jerry and the Holograms were also from that Manchester area, so I don't know how strong... Oh, that connection is Excellent.
1: to... Well, all the best, all the best musicians come from up north. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs>
0: So we have uh, Suicide, Ghost Rider, and were they, uh, was it New New York theft? Where was Suicide based?
1: New York? Yeah, they were New. Yeah, from New York. They were actually, New York were, we first read about them, I think, in NME, when NME was taken seriously back in the day, had just to pay for it. And it wasn't just given out outside supermarkets, unfortunately. Yeah, and we just heard about this band, and said, like, wow, they're like this sort of electronic punks and stuff. You know, we've got to check them, mm-hmm. excuse me. We've got to check them, got to check these guys out. So we managed to get hold of um, an import of the first album with the blood kind of running all down. it a very tacky album sleeve. And it was just like Frankie Teardrop. You know, I think Kraftwerk had said the most scary track we have ever heard. We thought we have got to hear this. And obviously, Ghost Rider was the most obvious kind of kind of rockabilly, electronic rockabilly track. Which I mean, Mark and I actually did, used, to do, used to do a cover of it just for a very easy track to play for, for an encore. Mm-hmm. So we played, we, we actually wanted to do it live on the tube.
2: Yeah.
1: But, but we, if people, if people remember, I was talking about it like it was yesterday, it was like, I mean, God knows how many years ago. But, um, yeah, Suicide, we're always massive fans of, them and I, I knew them both quite well. Alan Vega, Alan funny enough, there's a, there's a book out called, I think it's called, called Suicide A New York Story. Hmm. And I was looking through it. I've, I always look through books, thought, as he mentioned them, sure enough. He mentioned soft cells, and what he said about it. I've not read it, I will read it. Hmm. Because they said, oh, you're so what do you think of soft cell and, and Alan Vega, he's always very bitter. <laughs> he's, he's so friendly to me, but he always had a slight grudge, and he goes,
2: hmm.
1: yeah, well, well su- soft sell. They had some good tunes, but they were like, suicide the easy way. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, I thought that's a brilliant quote, suicide the easy way. Hmm. I almost thought that felt like nicking it. <laughs> <laughs> I could put it in my book at the beginning. Mm. Suicide the easy way, <laughs> Alan Rager. Good, good quote. <laughs> Sadly missed.
0: Oh, of course, yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, I saw their last show at the... Um, at at the the um, Barbican and, and it was so you could Alan was just fading, it was just not great. It was hmm. it was you know, I've seen I've seen him play a lot of times and it was like it was quite clear that Alan was not a very well man. I think it, he he was getting on a bit and he'd been apparently he'd been attacked in New York and he had a bar, you think he'd said something to someone and these guys had beaten him up and he's quite frail anyway and you know, he didn't. He just didn't make it. I mean, it was a weird gig said Henry Rollins as a guest vocalist, and Gosh. and what's his name, Bob Bobby, out of um, Primal Scream. Oh,
2: yeah. And I
1: remember what's his name? What's his surname? Bobby Gillespie, Gillespie. Mm. was joined, yeah, Gillespie, and the train He's trying to remind Alan what the lyrics were to Ghost Rider mm. because Alan couldn't remember, and he's like, uh, and Bobby's bringing Ghost Rider, motorcycle hero. Alan had forgotten what it was I mean it was pretty sad really mm, mm. and that's the last time I saw him.
0: Gosh.
1: Well, that's the last time they ever played I think mm, mm. so it was a pretty sad end really but there we have
0: it mm. I'm assuming kind of at the, the height of Saucer, you went over to, to New York and the, and tasted the club scene there
1: well yeah we we were in New York mm. the first album, well first and second album just the, um, the sort of non-stop ecstatic dancing EP so yeah, the clubs. I mean, we were amazing. I mean, we were. You know, our favourite used to be Superior, which was kind of where a lot of a lot of bands played there. Mm. There used to be a promoter called Ruth Polsky, but they got killed by a New York taxi in a weird accident. Where taxi ran off the the, the road and, and ran into her, which was very sad. She was known to everyone, but she she was the person that put on all the bands. Like the smiths all, all the english bands that played there were mo- mostly it was her that was, was promoting them mm. new order i think you know everybody that played there but that was the that was a place where madonna used to always be dancing around before she got famous and it's it actually features mm. it actually features in the film desperately seeking susan it's the one sort with of, <laughs> the sort of glass bricks and they used to this wall made of glass bricks but we've kind of gone to, yeah. we tried like Studio 54, which was kind of on its last legs. But it was it was it was interesting, you know. I mean, it still had all the things yeah. like the coke spoon with the mirror and everything. And uh, I saw Nina Hagen there. I remember with this band mm-hmm. Malaria, And Nina Hagen came on with this sort of big hair, and so sort of did this first number. Then ripped off her hair and suddenly she was bald. <laughs> there was lots, always lots of lots of stuff going on. I remember I remember taking. Klaus know me, who's a good friend of mine. I took him down to CBGB, the legendary New York Bowery Rock Club one night, because Alan Vega was doing some of his rockabilly solo stuff. So I took Klaus down there, and we went backstage to say hi to Alan, introduced Klaus, and we're watching it. And there's all the sort of the New York punkter in there, and they're all kind of looking at Klaus, making him feel very uncomfortable. The thing was, he was the most freaky-looking person in there. It was, like, it was like, he out-freaked the freak. Because <laughs> 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 he had that very weird, severe haircut. He was in that thing with David Bowie? Oh, yeah. And they've got the sort of V-shaped shirts. He's in that with Bowie, and Bowie kind of copied that sort of... Cause, I remember they were, cause they were both on the RCA records on the same label. I remember once ones being on the roof of Dan Sateria. It was a really hot summer night, and they had a jukebox up there, and, and they were making... Ice cold margaritas and standing up there, and Klaus, Klaus talking to me because mm. I'm using his words here. I think hate that building. He's pointing at the it was the RCA building. He saw this big orange neon sign on the roof of this skyscraper, he, and he hated them because they they were just ripping him off and messing him about. So he was he was very unhappy with his label. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a shame I put a, a Klaus record on it. Really Celebrating, but yeah, he was a he was a great friend. As was Alan Baker Both no longer with us, I'm afraid.
0: Mm. Well, let's play Ghost Rider and uh, remember Alan.
1: Yeah.
5: Ghost Rider motorcycle hero.
3: These are looking so cute.
2: Sneaking round, 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 round in a blue jumpsuit. Who's riding a motorcycle in a row?
3: Beep,
5: beep, 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 As, as, as in the
6: universe
3: Ghost rider her motorcycle in a row
6: beep, 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 he's screaming the truth
3: America, America is killing its youth
0: up to date and an artist who's uh, still and very recently um, produced uh, new music and yeah. he is fantastic fantastic artist uh, John Grant and one of his key tracks uh, Pale Green Ghosts we're well,
1: still on the subject of ghosts aren't we I suppose as I just mentioned two people at Nolan Willis and we yeah. just had Ghostwriters so I didn't really notice that until you we just uh, well I just noticed it Ghost Rider and Pale Green Ghosts the reason I want to play this is just because I remember, I think, I heard, I heard this a few years ago, I mean, it's not like a new track, but I remember hearing this few years ago. And it was, um, I think Mark Armand, who was doing a sort of a, a guest DJ spot on, I'm not sure what radio show it was, and it was like, you'll pick your favourite three tracks. And one of the tracks he played, I'd never heard of John Grant before, was Pale Green Ghost. And I'm like, wow, this is fantastic. I thought, this is what soft cell should sound like. I was like, 'cause it's got it's got the sort of the sort of Mad thin sound in it. And it's got the mm-hmm. sort of John Barry sort of orchestral yeah. stabs and attention. I thought that's the closest yeah. anyone's ever got to the sort of what what I mean when I do the soft cell stuff. I mean it's and apparently John is a fan anyway. I'm not sure. He may have, he may well have come to our show at the O T but I just think this is a, such a brilliant track, and, he's, and I mean, I think he's a, a brilliant artist. I mean, I've heard lots of his other yes. stuff, and he's. But it's just this that for me, it's just because it's got that sort of, it's got this sort of elements, two elements in it that that I'm obsessed with is the sort of strange kind of sort of synth sounds, the kind of wild sense, and that sort of that dramatic sort of filmic John Barry tenseness to it. So, and it's just his voice is, is magnificent. I mean. He's, a bit, he's got a bit of a Scott Walker vibe going on there, and he's yeah, I think he's
0: great, he's brilliant. Yeah, I mean, his solo work is is a bit of a contrast to his when he was in a band before because being in a solo setting and being able to use a bit more of an electronic influence and, and whatever um, sounds that that he wishes really well, lifts well, the
1: he music. Well, I think he yeah. was. He was I think he was going to give up, and I think Midlake, Van Midlake. I think they were friends, and said, "Look, why don't you just hang out with us for a bit?" And I think they gave him some studio time. I I don't know this full story, so I know Richard Norris, who I work with with, with the Grid, has done work with Midlake, and I think he was saying to me about that. But I think it was he, he was almost like I think he was he's down, pretty suicidal. he was going to give up or something, and they sort of. He he's get he suffers from depression, I believe. But I might not be correct but I am so I am so told. But I think that they said, No, you're brilliant, just stick with it, it's gonna work. You know, I think you need a little mm. bit sort of downer like most musicians get. I mean I've had moments like that Sure. and and most musicians that you can mention were prego, mm. they've had all had moments where I they want What's the pretty point? I might as well go and get a job in the, job in a supermarket or so you know, not not there's anything wrong with that but you know so why am I bothering, hmm. you know? But we've all had those near near moments when it's like, what, what's the point? I, mean, uh, I don't want to be too down on this.
0: No, I mean, how could you be with with John Grant? I mean, such a vital, vital no. track.
1: No, it's fantastic. I love the video for this as well. There's something, because it doesn't tell you what's happened, <laughs> but you know something bad has happened. <laughs> it's very it's very film noir.
2: Yeah.
1: And I think he you gets you get electronic film noir perfectly in terms of music it's, it's brilliant yeah. i'm not hmm. so totally sure what he's talking about in the lyrics but it, you know something something untoward <laughs> <laughs> i like a bit of untoward <laughs> <laughs>
0: to an penultimate track uh, and back to soft sell back to nature uh, from the magic mutants ep that that's part yep. of the uh book and um, but you've mentioned um frank from fad gadget earlier on and uh, this is your version of his 1979 single back to nature
1: well yeah we we'd, we'd always loved this track and and i just I, well, I think it was my, my idea, I sort of thought, I want, to, I want to just do a version of this. So me and the guy I, I work with, um, one of the people I work with, Ric- Ricardo Mulhall, who's, who kind of does all the sort of programming and engineering. And I said to Rick, like, let's just do a version and we'll just see. I said, so what I'll do? I said, I'll do a, a guide vocal for it. So I did a, this weird, my robotic guide vocal. And and Victor. that sounds really good. I'm like no, that used stuff. So I sent it to my manager Chris Smith and said, send this to Mark. It's just a guide vocal on here, and he's like, that vocal's great on it, I might get lost, you know. Hmm. Anyway, so it gets sent to Mark. Mark then says he loves the guide vocal version. Why don't you just put that on? And I'm like, no, hmm. no, it's got to have you on it, Mark. So Mark does Mark does the first sort of verse and first chorus. And then it segues into me during the next verse. Of course, I think then then Mark comes back in with me, so it's actually like a duet, really. Mm. And it's and Mark at the end says for Frank, and it's basically like a little nod and a tribute to Frank, who, who you know, he, he was he was great and deserved to. It's a shame that you know he, yeah. he he passed away so so young. I mean, he was a very talented guy, and you know, so sorely missed. So it's like a tribute to him. I mean. And apparently it was Mute Records, like they all heard it there and they were really pleased about it. So that's kind of nice. I mean, I hope Daniel likes it. Because mm. Daniel produced the original and he was the person that signed flank Anyway, you know, Daniel's an old mate as well. So mm. I, think he, I think he was very really touched by it, actually. So it's quite nice. Mm. It's a nice gesture, I hope.
0: <laughs> and the uh, Magic Mutant EP, is this... Closure for soft sell in terms of um, creating music, or, or, or are you still kind of?
1: No, no, we've, we've just no we've just signed a new deal with BNG, oh, wow. so we're, we're still yeah we're still oh, yes we're doing a, a new album. We're still working on that, on and off at the moment. So that's going to surface sometime next year. Mark was very sort of determined that oh you know like right, this is the last time we're doing this show at the O2, and I said why do you you have to say the last time last chance? Why you just you know. Hmm. You have to actually say that, but he was insistent. So I said, "Okay, fine." But then it's like, but he still wants to do sort of songs together. So I'm thinking, well, "Okay, fine. Let's let's do it. That's what I do. That's what I do <laughs> for a living. That's what I do anyway." So mm. you know, it's, it's another another step. So who, who knows? I mean, I'm not going to say oh, there will be another show because right. Marcus adamantly said, said that that he doesn't want there to be. But then we've sort of broken it before and it's, you know, I don't want to turn it into Bloomin' State as well. Oh, there's the reformed you know yeah. I again. Mean? We're definitely reformed again. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I, I assure you there's no plans really, for any future shows. There is a live DVD of the O2 coming out which looks fantastic. So For anybody who didn't see it or wants to relive it, that will be coming out soon but I'm not sure when. But, yeah, the main thing now is if, if you want a book um, to show you I, w- I was there and and there are still a few copies left I believe
0: <laughs> the book uh, to show you I've been there is on uh, the uk website
1: yeah yeah that's right I mean I, I, okay, as I, say, I don't really I don't have anything to do with the book selling business I'm, music's <laughs> my thing <laughs> but I mean the book is beautiful it's very it's very nicely done I mean, it's, but, I mean everyone's kind of gone through the archives and it's been very Lovely, Loving, lovingly put together. So for anyone who's a, a fan of the spare, I don't know how much they to, oh, too much, aren't they? But uh, mm-hmm. if you've won't, if you've once one or buy one for a friend, <laughs> that's <laughs> a salesman now.
5: Nature. Oh, we'll Back right. to nature,
0: nature. 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 For Frank. This is our final track, uh, Stars by Ulrich Schnauss. Um, uh, he he's uh, also in uh, Tangerine Dream, isn't
1: he? He is, yeah. But at the time of this he wasn't. I mean I was first introduced to this guy by Richard Norrisman partner in the grid, and he said, have you heard this fellow? And I went, no. And I, I got the album, which is great. Said, is this album called Stars? I said, well, I'm not sure I got them. I'm not sure what the album's called. I, got, I don't know where I put my album. Mm. But this track, this was, was a standout track for me. It's just, like, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. It's, the way it just builds and builds, it's, like, it's phenomenal. And the production is unbelievable. I just, I'm still trying to figure out how he, he got that production. Because it like, it's almost like a sort of Phil Spector wall of sound, but in the 21st century. Mm. And it just kind of, it keeps it's It's an incredible production. I think it's one of the most unbelievable productions I've ever heard. And it's it's just so powerful because it's not going kind to of really rock, but it's got the power of a rock track. It's kind of, is it rock or is it electronic? And, you know, it's, like, it's one of those weird... It's just a thing in itself Is an entity. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's fantastic. It's absolutely brilliant. Mm. Absolutely I mean, I'd mean, i love to hear what he does w- within um, Tangerine Dream because I mean, I've had a lot, of, a lot of Tangerine Dream stuff that I'm yeah. a big fan of, but I've not heard anything that Oleg has done with him. Mm. Mm. But he's a, he's a person that um, was the grid we've approached him to maybe do some collaborations or or some mixes for us, but I just love, I love the production on this. It's a great song. Mm. It's one of those, I played I played it with loads of people and they go, wow, what, it blows people away, this track, it's an immense track. Mm. I sort of saved the best to the last.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we we talked briefly um, when we were discussing Back to Nature about, you know, the, the working on a forthcoming soft sell album and you've kind of referred in patches to, you know, forthcoming work um in the grid. What's in the horizon for you other than Soft Cell? Well, I'm,
1: I'm working with Richard Norris on I mean, grid stuff. And I've got my, my book. is going to be coming out um, sometime later this year when it finally gets finished. I mean, we're sort of in the editorial process at the moment. so but that's my little my little memoir. Not, not a great um, piece of literature, but it's this is of one. Hmm. For anyone interested, really, it's just a few... Your anecdotes and just me going kind on of about the state of of my life and the world. That's where I see myself in it. <laughs> so yeah, and I, I've just done. I, just print, I mean, it was an like Annie now, album I just co-produced, which was beautiful. That's out now on Cold Spring Records. It's called Lost in Blue, and that's um, that's got some great collaborations, as Wolf Fang from Kraftwerk, Lydia Lunch. Yeah. Richard Strange, Kid Congo from the Bad Seeds, Scarlet West, my lovely girlfriend, writer, extraordinary lady, and my good self, and yeah, from medicine head who he does an amazing vocal. Gavin, Gavin Friday does a, a, an appearance, so it's a it's one it's it's a, it's a really nice album. It's funny enough because it's got picked up on by um, Six Music, so that's kind of Mark Wiley's featuring tracks and, so it's been getting some airplay, and it's, I'm, very, I'm very proud of it. It's a good album. I, I may, I may well be doing a, another solo album with various guest vocalists, but that's probably going to not be until next year because I've got so much to do, so much on this this year. Really, I mean, the soft sell thing is obviously the priority, followed closely by the the grid and, and my book. So. But yeah, we'll see see how the the lay of the land is this time next year.
0: <laughs> well, I'm I'm glad to know that you you don't have plans to to work in the uh, local supermarket, and you've got plenty to occupy. At your... the moment, at the moment,
1: at the moment, the wolves are not knocking on the door. So it's, mm-hmm. uh, as long as I can kind of making a living out of what I I love doing, and I will continue to do what I love doing. And hopefully, people will love what I love doing.
0: Thanks so much for your time, Dave. And it's great to. Hear, um, you know these uh, new soft sell tracks and um, a selection of um, tracks that that have influenced you and that you love generally. So, uh, thank you again.
1: Well, thank, thanks for thanks for having me. Thank, thank you very much, and I hope everyone enjoys some of, some of, all, of, of what I've selected for you.
0: I'm sure they will. Let's uh, let's play stars and say goodbye.
1: All right, all right,
0: <laughs> all right. Bye. Bye.
1: Thanks a lot. Bye.